Man lives in a world of time and space. He lives in a spectrum of the universe. When he ventures beyond this limit, he is in the unknown, a realm where strange forces are brought into play. When man attempts to misuse these forces, he is sometimes destroyed. This is Macabre. Network presents in special performance Macabre. Tonight's story Final Resting Place. Justice of the Peace back at Carterville said the lake was on the main highway. We haven't made any turns. But, darling, it's getting dark. This road doesn't look well-traveled. I really think we made a wrong turn somewhere. Mrs. Kent, your husband solemnly promises to deliver his bride of a few hours safely and surely to Honeymoon Lodge on Mirror Lake. Now, let's hear no more about it. Come on, move closer. Head on my shoulder. That's it. (laughs) Roger, you better watch the road. Why? We haven't passed another car for an hour. Relax, Sue. It's a fine way to start a married life of bliss. Look, there's a sign. Can you make it out? Yeah. Randolph, five miles. Uh, are we supposed to go this way? Sure. What I tell you, it's only 50 miles farther. Randolph is our halfway point. But this country road, how can they call a lonely trail like this a highway? <laughs> You're just a sophisticated cityite. Now close your eyes and listen to the radio. We'll be there before you know it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my darling. I guess I'm getting jumpy. <laughs> Head on my shoulder and not another word. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. Authorities of the state asylum have just issued the following warning. A dangerous homicidal maniac escaped custody this morning and is believed to be in the vicinity of Randolph. <gasps> Roger. Listen. He's 45 years of age, weighs 200 pounds, has thick gray hair, and answers to the name of Dr. Vardmore. We repeat... This man is a dangerous killer. Those in the vicinity of Randolph are urged to take extra precaution tonight. Since this killer is armed, the public is warned against walking alone or driving at night on the quiet roads near Randolph. Report all suspicious persons to the county sheriff's office. Now we return you to Stars of Music. (gasps) Roger, did you hear that? Sure, but how does it concern us? Darling, we are driving down a country road near Randolph. Suppose we should have car trouble or a flat tire. Oh, you are getting jumpy. Let's stop in Randolph for the night. But Sue, our reservations at Mirror Lake are for tonight. I have the strangest feeling. If we don't stop at Randolph, we'll never reach Mirror Lake. Uh, great idea, Sue. What, darling? Stopping here for the night. Now we can see the carnival. It's all right while these people are here, I, I guess. We'd better go back to the hotel before they leave. Are you still afraid? Well, kind of. Aren't you? Come on. I'll show you a good time. You'll forget all about it. Okay. What's that man doing over there? And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you would kindly step closer... I don't know. I will demonstrate for you one of the great marvels of all time. As you see at my feet is a hole. An excavation six feet in depth. A grave, if you will. And beside me here is a casket. Now, friends, what do you think we are going to do? Now, friends, ladies and gentlemen, have no fear. Tonight, I, Professor Vincent, will select someone, one of you from the audience, to be hypnotized and placed in this casket. Then, I will bury him alive for five days. If he's not buried that long, he ain't going to wind up much alive. Yes, a moment, please. Five days at $100 a day. Now what do you say? Who wants to make $500? There is absolutely no danger. A shaft will be sunk so that we can see your head. You'll get plenty of light and air. Food will be lowered to you. Nothing to it at all. Who will be the first volunteer? 
just like a dead man. <clears throat> yes, now, now, close the lid. Close it. Now we're ready to lower into the grave. You see, the casket is supported over the open hole by two chains. If you'll flip that switch the same time I flip this one, Mr. Kent will be gently deposited in his grave. This one? Yes. There it goes. Glory be. Just like a real funeral. Reminds me of the time we buried my grandpappy. Ladies and gentlemen, in just a few moments, the coffin will lie at the bottom of the grave. We will then place an air shaft down to Mr. Kent's head so that he will be able to breathe. And all of you will be able to see him at 25 cents apiece. I don't know. I just don't know. Thank you, friend. You've done your work now. Will you kindly leave? Thank you. You are witnessing the marvel of the age. A human being being buried alive. The casket has stopped. Will another volunteer from the audience help me position the air shaft? How about me? Fine. Step up here, friend, if you please. You picked the right one this time, Governor. So? I used to work in a funeral parlor. Handle the stiffs. Uh, yes, now. Now, just pick up that end of the metal shaft, please. Easy does it. Now, down over the round opening on the casket lid. Careful now. There. Thank you very much, my friend. Neat, very neat. Okay, Governor. What next? Uh, the shovel. The hole must be covered up. Oh, sure. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen. You have just seen demonstrated the marvel of the age. A man buried alive. Mr. Kent will lie there in a deep slumber. The end of which time we'll dig him up and pay him $500. In the meantime, my friends, you may step up here and view him down the shaft for a small sum of 25 cents. One quarter, the one-fourth part of a dollar. Ladies and gentlemen, who will be first among fight? you? No, sir. What's that you say? Dishonest, I say. What's the matter with you? Charging money to see him buried alive. What? I ought to know. I helped you lift him in. Leave the carnival, sir. Leave here immediately. That man ain't buried alive. He's dead. <laughs> Hello? Hello, Mrs. Kent. This is Professor Vincent. I got your message. First chance I've had to call you. Oh, Professor, I'm so glad you did. Uh, what's on your mind? How is Roger? I keep telling you he's all right. Now you must stop this nonsense. Well, it's been three days since he was buried, and he just lies there so still. Oh, if I could only talk to him. Mrs. Kent. I called down to him, but he never moves or opens his eyes. And after all this time, I know something is wrong. Roger wouldn't let me worry like this. He'd at least look up and smile, if he could. How many times must I repeat he is hypnotized? We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. Oh, just a moment, Professor. The radio... Sheriff's office has just confirmed the whereabouts of the homicidal maniac who escaped from the state asylum three days ago. This dangerous killer who calls himself Dr. Vardmore is now known to be in the immediate vicinity of Randolph. Everyone is cautioned against walking alone on the streets after dark. If you plan to attend the carnival, kindly do so with friends and leave the carnival in the company of others. Report all suspicious persons. We return you now to your regular program. Did, did you hear that on the radio? Uh, yes, yes, I did. Oh, Professor, I'm terribly afraid. I don't want Roger alone down there with this, this madman, Lou. Please, Professor, dig Roger up tonight. Mrs. Kent, we made a bargain, a business proposition. Kindly stay in your hotel room and rest. This is the third day. The day after tomorrow, it will be all over for Roger and for you. Pardon me, ma'am. Are you Mrs. Kent? Why, yes. Who are you? I'm the one who helped put your husband in the casket. Well, why are you talking to me? I don't know. Just to warn you, I guess. I think your husband's dead. Oh, you horrible, horrible little man. Get away from me. I'll call the police. Thank you, Mrs. Kent. Oh, Professor Vincent, I'm so glad to see you. That terrible little man. Yes, I heard what he said. Now get hold of yourself and listen to me carefully. This is the fifth night. I want you to go to the hotel and wait until the carnival is over. Tonight is the last showing at Randolph. At 11.30, you take a taxi out here to the lot. I'll meet you. Roger will be ready along with the $500. All right, Professor. Anything you say. Oh, thank God it's about to end. Yes, my dear. 
it's all about to end. Are you going out, Miss Kent? Yes, clerk. And here's the key to my room. Thank you. I don't think it's wise, though. I mean, you're going out alone. It's after 11 and mighty dark tonight. The police haven't caught the killer yet? No. Funny thing, too. Looks like he'll have to leave a fresh trail. You know, kill somebody so they'll have more to go on. Now, why don't you take someone with you? Oh, I'll be all right. I'm meeting Professor Vincent at the carnival lot. This is the night they released my husband. I see. Do you know the professor? Oh, yes, I do. Well, he's the one who hypnotized Mr. Kent. No. Professor Vincent didn't. What? Professor got sick five days ago. Got sick? Well, then, and who was Professor Vincent at the carnival? I don't know. Somebody who took his place, I guess. Here you are, driver. Thank you. I'm sure the carnival was on this vacant lot, but now there's nothing. Just a few old papers blowing in the wind. Why did I let that cab leave? Light in sight. Those trees around the lot. What if if the killer were hiding there? Oh, the place Roger was buried. It was in this direction. This way. Maybe I can find it. The grand will be thought. But in fact, it might be filled a hole. Must be right around here. Oh, 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 where is it? Oh, what? What's this? Uh, um, the mouth? Uh, mouth! Five blocks away. Maybe I can make it there. Oh, oh, it moved again. There is someone out there. Roger, Roger, is, is that you? No, it's coming after me. It's, it's too big for Roger. I, I don't know what it is. It's gaining, it's gaining on me. I can't, I can't let it catch me. No, no, no! Mrs. Kent, calm yourself, please. Who, who are you? Don't you know? I'm Professor Vincent. I was waiting for you. Now, come with me to my trailer. No, you're not Professor Vincent. So, you guessed. Who are you? There's nothing to be alarmed about. You're in safe hands at last. I am Victor. Dr. Victor Vardmore. Sleep, I guess. Hmm. Legs feel cramped. Mind's foggy. Can't remember what happened. <sighs> Sue, where are you? Dark. Pitch black. It must be night. Quiet. Not a sound. I could only remember. Thinking back. <laughs> Smells damp, like fresh earth. Where am I? Gotta get up and stretch my leg. <laughs> no rooms. Wait a minute. There was this carnival. Professor Vincent. Oh, it's beginning to come back now. I was hypnotized and put in a casket. Buried for five days, yeah. Yeah, it's clear now. <laughs> Time's up, yeah. They're gonna dig me up now. Boy. The deep did not expel that old boy put me in. Glad it's over. Okay, Professor, you can bring me up now. <laughs> hmm. I guess he stepped away from the shaft. Shaft? Where's the shaft? 
It's supposed to be over my over my head here, so I can see up. Can't see a thing. Cloth lined coffin lid. My shaft should be. What's going on here? I'd I'd like to get out, Professor. Possible they went away and left me buried alive. Oh no! And I, Professor Sue, help! I'm buried alive. you to listen very, very carefully. Sue, there. Go ahead, Sue. Tell him. Oh, Roger, are you all right? Yes. What's he doing with you? Please do as he says, darling. He's not the real professor. He's that escaped madman from the asylum, Dr. Vardmore. He's crazy, Sue. Please, darling, we have no choice. Please, please. Listen to me. One move like that and I will kill you both. I've gone to a lot of trouble to set up my final demonstration. I am going to try personality transference. We have the required situation. A man buried alive in mortal fear of death. And the woman he loves, who will do anything to save him. If we do, as you say, what then? I will release the two of you. And if we don't? You have just enough oxygen for just a few more minutes. I see. Hurry, Dr. Vardmore, get it over with. Now, Roger, I want you to think about Sue. Sue, you about Roger. Each imagine he is the other. Roger, you are standing beside me in the trailer. Sue, you are lying down there in the casket. No! Cooperate and I will free you. It's your only way out of that grave. You mean I'll be in Sue? Yes, and she in yours. Do it, darling. It's our only chance. She's not Sue. That's enough. One more refusal. And I'll turn off the shortwave transmitter and leave you in your dark world forever. Now, Roger. Imagine you are Sue standing here. Sue, you concentrate on being Roger in the casket. Think. Put everything else out of your minds. I have it. Repeat something you both know. Say the 23rd Psalm. Here we go now. Start with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table.
have just heard Macabre, a special Far East Network presentation. In our cast were John Buey as Professor Vincent, Mitzi Hennessy as Sue, William Verdier as Roger, Milton Radmilovich, Air Force Sergeant Bob Eddy, and Air Force Sergeant Newell Stewart. Technical supervision by Hiroshi Odo. This is Air Force Sergeant Al LePage speaking. Macabre was written and directed by William Verdier. Macabre comes to you each week at this time through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Network presents in special performance Macabre. Tonight's story Weekend. I can hardly stand to think about it. Such a horrible nightmare. Keep telling myself, maybe it'll help to talk. Try to remember. To put the pieces back together again. But the horror of the terror will never go away. The dead cannot come back. It all began, I, I believe, about two weeks ago. The night of the medical student's graduation party. Fell at the home of my fiance, Gloria Duvenet. Ray Stapleton, John Tyler, Gloria, and I were the honor guests. Also, our instructor, the well-known experimental scientist, Dr. Peter Tortano. Tortano and I didn't exactly get along. He suspected I knew too much about the Gaylord case, which connected him with experiments on a hidden island. Also, his unusual interest in Gloria was apparent to me, if to no one else, and formed a further basis for a strong mutual dislike. Tortano didn't think that I qualified as a medical student, but he had to admit I'd passed the exam, so here I was. The party was in full swing when I arrived. Everyone was glad to see me, except Tortano. What held you up? No party at all without the three of us together, eh, John? Gosh, no. Hi, Dick boy. We thought you weren't coming. Got to have the old team together before the fun starts. Right, Hope. Look, you chaps, come closer. I have a bit of news to tell you. Say, Ray, you sure got to be there. Shoot. What is it, Ray? It's like this. Tortano's about to spring a surprise on us. <laughs> Killing. You know how tight this to the old goat is. Well... He wants to do something for his prize grants. Nothing extravagant. Just a weekend at his place or something like that. What place? I don't know exactly. Couldn't be his small room at the university, so it must be his other place. Oh, the one on the island? Yes, yes, I, I suppose you're right. The, the island? Gosh, you really think he'll take us out there? I don't know of anyone who's ever seen it. Now, don't let on. I told you about it. Wow, Tortano's Island Retreat. They say no one else has ever been on the island. And that he spends his weekends out there all alone. Doing what, I wonder? Oh, I don't know. If he's working on something, why go way out there? Why not at the university? Fellas, there's something about that island you should know. Oh, uh, steady, Dick. Here comes that lovely thing you're engaged to. Oh, hi, Gloria. Hi. What took you so long, Dick? I was afraid you weren't coming. You knew I would, Gloria. <laughs> don't talk. Just dance with me. Hmm nice to be in your arms again, sir. Yeah. Uh, where's your mother? In the kitchen, fixing refreshments. <laughs> Dr. Tortano's helping. Oh. Hey, Dick, aren't you drinking? What? Oh, sure. What you got, John? You can name it. Mm, scotch and soda? <laughs> 
Well, are you expensive? Okay, coming up. Huh. Gloria. Yeah? Gloria. Uh, what is it, Tom? I don't know how to say it. I still have my internship, and uh, there won't be much money. Don't talk. Just dance. We'll be married as soon as you like. Oh, darling. I love you so much. I say break it up, you two. You'd think you were the only ones at this party. If you don't mind, I'm cutting in. Oh, Take your hands off this charming wench, Richard. She's mine for a spell. And thanks for the loaner, fella. <laughs> All right, Ray. But uh, only for one dance. Uh, the lady is reserved. Oh, boy, does he expect service. Not only fix his drink, but got to bring it to him. Thanks, John. Uh, and just in time, here comes Tortano out of the kitchen. I think he's ready to talk. Yeah, it looks as if he's had a few, too. My friends, my friends, may I have a quiet for a few moments? I'd like to make an announcement. I'll give you a proper introduction, Doctor. <coughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, I give you a man whose reputation as a doctor of medicine and experimental scientist has astounded the medical profession. Our faithful instructor these past four years, the man of the hour, Dr. Peter Tortana. <laughs> thank you, thank you, my friends. It has been a most difficult year for all of us. We have worked hard and accomplished much. Now I think it is time to propose a little holiday. So, I am inviting you as my house guest for the weekend. There is plenty of room, ten bedrooms, ten baths, three stories, plenty of space for everyone. Wait a minute. Where is this place? What's the matter, Crane? What are you suspicious of? Where is your place, Doctor? 30 miles from here. There's a swimming pool, a tennis court, golf course. Where is it? Oh, Dick, please quite, don't be rude. Quite all right, my dear. He has a right to know, and uh, it's on an island 20 miles off the coast. An island? Ideal for relaxation. I assure you every detail for your comfort has been attended to. I'll bet it has. Well, you can count me out. After four years of hell with you, you'll never make a four in one weekend. Goodbye. So sorry, Dr. Tortano. Dick's been studying too hard. He didn't mean what he said. Of course not, of course not. He'll change his mind. The boat leaves at four tomorrow afternoon. I know he won't want to miss our last party together. knew Tortano better than the others. This was no idle plan. Tortano never wasted time in relaxation. He often said, you have to make every minute count if you want to achieve success. I finally went to my room and to sleep. Hello? Dick, what the hell's wrong? You still in bed? Huh? What's the time? Noon, Friday. You'd better get moving. Oh. Don't forget the tennis rackets. I told you I'm not... Sense, old chap. We've all decided it'll be loads of fun. Just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, Gloria... Gloria? Yes, yeah, she's going along. She'll, she's right here. Put her on. Uh, yes, yeah, sure. Cheerio, old man. Hi, darling. Tack, we're going to have a glorious weekend. Gloria, you listen to me. Oh, Dick, we need some fun together. Now, if you're going to be an old killjoy, I'll just hate you. Gloria... Tortano is no generous soul. If he invited us out there, he's got a damn good reason. Oh, please say yes, darling. Ray and John want to go. And if we accept, that will make five. And Dr. Tortano's manservant wants us to make six. What can possibly happen with six of us there? But I... I can see your mind's made up. Oh, then you go. Oh, Dick, that's great. I didn't say I'd oh, go. Oh, don't be stuffy. Well, all right. Your heart's set on it. Oh, you won't be sorry. Bye, darling. Yeah. See you, Dockside. Cortano stood in the bow of the boat like some self-satisfied pine piper. Rain clouds were gathering for a squall, and the motor launch strained through billowing waves toward an island looming on the horizon. It was growing dark. A faint light flickered among giant trees taking form in the distance. We landed about six. It was pitch black. I could tell by the flashlights that we were surrounded by massive oak trees laden with Spanish moss. We followed Tortano down a gravel path toward a large brick structure taking shape in the gloom. The storm broke as we reached the veranda. 
Cortano led us into a stately parlor where Wattis, the West Indian manservant, began to stack our luggage neatly in a corner. Wattis was a short, weather-beaten little man who never removed the black Quaker hat from his head. He kept glancing back, as if he suspected something were creeping up behind him. Well, here we are, all safe and sound. Bedrooms are on the second floor. I suggest you freshen up and meet in the banquet hall promptly at eight for supper. Even though we had just arrived, a feeling of uneasiness began to reach the others. There were ten bedrooms, divided evenly by a hall running the length of the building. I selected one across the hall from Gloria. I just shut the door when someone knocked. Uh, Dick, may I come in? Oh, uh, yes, Ray. Here's your grip, old man. Wantus brought them all upstairs. Mind if I join him? No, I don't. Yeah. Palace fit for a king. Looks like one of those plantations you see in the flicks. But this cost the old boy a pretty penny. You know, I've been wondering, Dick, where Tortano got the money to buy this place? Hmm? I believe he inherited something from his father. Since he didn't make it himself. Might have. He's a capable man, Ray. He's a doctor, an experimental scientist. Enough money in that, I suppose. Well, uh, ever since the Gaylord oh, case... They, they never proved anything. Tortano didn't do that. Well, there was no reason for her to die. Even I could have saved her. Dick, don't hold something that may not be true against anyone. I'm not. It's just a suspicion. Tortano... Knows you suspect him. I don't give a damn oh, what he... very well. So you dislike each other. Uh, forget it. Let's get ready for supper, Ray. Meet you downstairs. Right, Al. If it's any consolation, I'm with you on one thing, though. What's that? This weekend out here... Yeah? Can't put my finger on it. But I don't think it was planned for fun. <laughs> My friends, I'd like to make a little speech. <laughs> Excuse me. I am not much with words, just a grumpy little man of medicine. Uh, but I always mean well. Now it's been a long and tedious course these past four years. It isn't easy to become a doctor, and the hard part is yet to come for the graduates, that of internship, where you'll learn to weigh the actual values where one slip of the scalpel can mean death or a hideous malfunction of the body or the mind. I welcome you to my island estate. You deserve a rest. So make merry and cast the cares of the world aside. Now to bed, children. To bed. Tomorrow will be a day of tennis, swimming, and fun-making. This will be a weekend you'll remember for the rest of your lives. you sleepy? No. Come in. <laughs> My bedroom is across the hall. Just wanted to say goodnight. Please do. Gloria. Darling, I love you so much. Let's be married right away. <laughs> Dick, you're so impetuous. <laughs> but I accept. <laughs> Good. Are you comfortable here? Oh, my, yes. Private bath and all. So you have a telephone, too. All the bedrooms must have them. Well, better leave and let you get some rest. I'll lock your door when I leave. All right. Thanks for dropping in. Good night, Gloria. Dick? Yes? Lock your door, too. Oh, come now. This is a weekend of fun and relaxation, remember? Uh, don't laugh at me, Dick. I'm really just playing it safe. Oh, sure. Good night, darling. Good night, Dick. And please, lock it. I don't know how long I'd been asleep. It must have been several hours. Something had brushed against my bedroom door. The sound made me sit straight up in bed. Then I heard something else. <laughs> I thought someone was in trouble. <laughs> Who's out there? Whatever it was, it stopped outside my bedroom door. I turned on the lamp, jumped out of bed, and bolted toward the door. The hall was empty. No sign of anything or anyone. Was it possible I imagined this? When I turned to close my door, I saw it. A dark form bobbing in a doorway at the end of the hall. 
I say, Dick, is that you? It was Ray Stapleton. Strange sound I just heard. My word, Dick, did you hear it too? Hey, hey, you guys. What's going on around here? Who was strangled? Wow, what a gagging cough. What's the matter? Is anything wrong? Gentlemen, gentlemen. What's the commotion about? You're disturbing the entire household. Now, hold on, Doctor. We were just trying to find out who was doing all that coughing here in the hall a moment ago. Coughing? Nonsense. Must be your imaginations. You're all here and you look mighty well to me. Wait a minute. Where's Wantus? He's missing. He could be the one. Wantus is standing directly behind you, John. Is there trouble, Master? No, Wantus. Nothing at all. Now go back to your bedroom and remain there the rest of the night. Do you understand? Back to bedroom? Yes. Immediately. Aye, Master. Wantus not come out again. Good night, Master. But Dr. Tortano, the coughing... Strictly imagination, I tell you. But I heard it, Doctor, and so did the others. There's no one else on this island. So just who do you think it might be? Yes. I see what you mean. Imagination is a powerful thing. So much so that under certain conditions, strong stimuli can compel you to think you have actually experienced something that didn't happen at all. Remember, this is the 20th century. We're not in the Dark Ages. No skeletons in the closet or secret wall panels. Return to your rooms, please. Good night, children. I didn't sleep the rest of that night. I'm certain the others didn't either. They were losing their enthusiasm for the weekend. The next morning, after breakfast, I went for a walk on the beach with Gloria. It wasn't long before Ray and John called Hold up with us. Hello, Dick. I want to talk to you. Hi, fellas. You sleep well? Don't rub it in, Dick. Gosh, no. We went in the first place. That's what we wanted to do. You'd like to give up and go home today. Is that what you mean? Yes, and all you're making it devilishly difficult. Now, I, I think we might still salvage a sporting time here. After all, nothing's really happened. But there's been dissension at this party ever since it started. And now there's a feeling of unpleasantness. We can't leave the island. Wanters took the boat back to the mainland this morning for emergency repairs. He won't be back until tomorrow. He did. Wantus has the only boat. There's no other way back to shore. So we just have to make the best of it. Dick, I'm with you. I don't think I like old Tortano. Fine kettle of fish. The island's the kettle and we're the fish. And Tortano's the fisherman. Break it up. Let's go back to the house. I have a hunch. I think we'll soon know what this is all about. Tortano spent the day rechecking his notes and shaking his head. I didn't think him capable of feeling alarm, but his composure was rapidly leaving him. We swam a little and played some tennis. By evening, a cloudburst made a valiant attempt to wash the little island out to sea. After supper, a worried Tortano summoned us to the library. As we gathered, he stood up with an air of uncertainty and started to speak. I wish I could charm you with a graceful speech and make you laugh when I grow tired of talking. I haven't been altogether honest with any of you. I brought you here on the pretext of having a wonderful weekend. That was only partly true. All right, Doctor. Tell us the truth. You would better listen to me. There may not be much more time. Last night at supper, I gave you all a powerful stimulant. I tried to magnify your powers of imagination to the point where fantasy could be made reality by varying the dosages given each of you. The one coming closest to fulfilling the experiment would give me the correct formula balance. An overdose affects the respiratory system in such a way that the victim has periods of convulsive coughing of which he is completely unaware. 24 hours after the onset of coughing, the victim goes mad. And if my notes are correct... God forgive me, I didn't mean to go this far. Yes, Doctor? If my notes are correct, the victim may become physically anything he might imagine. The coughing started last night. I can't decide at the moment who may have gotten the overdose. I am also suspect, as I too took the drug, there are no guns on the island, no telephone or radio transmitter, and no way to get back to the mainland tonight. So we'll have to remain here. Go singly to your rooms. Bolt yourselves in. Don't open the doors for anyone. Your lives will depend on it. I'm afraid, my children, that before morning, we may have a madman among us. We locked ourselves in our bedrooms and waited. The others agreed with me. Tortano was insane to invent such a fantastic story. He was the one we should be protected from. 
We were completely at his mercy. Our only chance was to humor him until Wattis returned with the boat and escaped to the mainland. I must have fallen asleep. The storm had subsided to a whisper. Something had awakened me. What it was, I don't know. I lay there in the dark, scarcely breathing, waiting. There was no sound of any kind. Could I have imagined it? Maybe I should get up and look. Perhaps something was waiting for me to go back to sleep before attacking. But what? Nothing could have come into my room. And yet, somehow, I felt the presence of something out in the hall. It was just some sound, some clue as to what it might be. All I could do was lie here and wait for an unknown thing to happen at any moment. I waited and listened. I knew it was out there. Then, <laughs> there it was. My trying to scratch open my bedroom door. I reached for a bronze poker on the night table, got out of bed and tiptoed to the door. It was on the other side. I could hear breathing. Don't open the door, I told myself. It's just outside waiting for me to do that. Even with a poker, I might be no match. Then it occurred to me that it wouldn't be waiting unless it knew a way into my bedroom. Of course, it was coming in to get me. What about Gloria across the hall? Had it already been there? I decided to act. You, out there, I'm opening this door. If you're still there, I'll kill you. What's that? All lights are out. Pitch black. Something padded off on four feet. God, it smells like a cat. It's so dark, I can't see my hand before my face. Got to get across the hall to Gloria. Judging by the way it bounded off, it must be at least 15 feet away. If only the flashlight. Can't see a thing. Easy does it now. Keep the poker swinging in a circle. I should keep it from creeping up on me. Is Gloria's door. Gloria, open your door. Is that you, Dick? For God's sake, yes, hurry. Are you all right, darling? I think so. What's the matter, Dick? The thing. It's right across the hall. The thing? Yes. Whatever it is, it's after us. I was afraid it might have tried to get you. Quick, your phone. Where is it? Right by the bed. Oh. What are you doing? All the others. The one who doesn't answer is out there. Some creature. Set more light, will you? Oh, yes. Really, now. It's the middle of the night. Ray, something's wrong. You okay? Yes, I'm quite all right. Good. Meet me in the library in five minutes. Ray's not the one. Try John next. Maybe. Hello? John, you all right? Oh, hi, Dick. Sure, why? Can't talk now. Meet me in the library in five minutes. Mm, pretty well cinches it. Has to be Tortano. He's the only one left. If he doesn't answer, we'll know. Oh, no. And who can it be? They're all accounted for. Who the devil is this? Dick Crane, doctor. Meet me in the library in five minutes. Are you crazy? Stay in your room and keep it all locked. There's something fishy, and I'm going to find out who's behind it. Now, you be there. If any harm comes to my friends, I'll kill you. We're not safe to get in the library. And I don't believe a word of your wild story. It's true. One of you tried to scratch open my door. You imagined it, Dick. Here we all are, as chipper as ever. Pretty obvious whatever was supposed to happen hasn't yet. It happened to someone. Impossible. We're all still sane. There's no one else on the island. This took place in your mind, Dick. Now let's all go back to our rooms and try to get through the night. Uh, I'm wasting my time with you. All right, I'll stay with Gloria and protect her. But you'd better lock your doors because someone is going to try them. Say, Dick is certainly overwrought. It couldn't have been right, though, since we're all so healthy. Dangerous situation now standing here together. Let's return to our rooms. Well, maybe nothing will happen. It could start momentarily. I strongly advise separating immediately. Wait. Hold out your hands. What? I just remembered. It's been 24 hours. There is a certain symptom at this time. The victim's fingernails will have a bluish tinge. We can tell who it is. Quick, look at your hands. Hold them out. What do you see? Here are mine, doctor. Uh, normal. Uh. Uh, are mine okay? Mm. Yes, yes. What about yours, Doctor? Take a close look. I'd say they're all right. That means 
Good Lord, it's Dick or Gloria. They've gone to Gloria's room together. We've got a moment to lose. Come quickly with me. Dick, where are you? In the bathroom, shaving. Be out in a minute. Oh, hurry, dear. I don't like being left alone. You're locked in together. No one can bother us now. Oh, Dick, you sound so strange. Please come out of that bathroom. Dick? Tortano. Throat clawed out. As if by a lion. You have just heard Macabre. A special Far East Network presentation. In our cast were John Dewey, Shirley Ashey, Walt Sheldon, William Verdier, Milton Radmilovich, and Air Force Sergeant Bob Eddy. Technical supervision by Hiroshi Ono. This is Air Force Sergeant Al LePage speaking. Macabre was written and directed by William Verdier. Macabre comes to you each week at this time through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.